Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, my book, The Impact Makers, Building Authentic Trusted Relationships is one of those key elements of effective leadership. And we're going to dive in and explore that aspect of relationship building, but from a channel perspective with someone who is a passionate advocate for building those healthy and trusted relationships in the channel. Teresa Caragall is the founder and CEO of Achieve Unite, Inc. That's a partner performance company that offers consulting services and education programs. It's all about business transformational services. And this is partner channel development, go-to-market strategy, channel integration, you name it. So Teresa knows all about the dynamics of the channel and relationship building from a IT and technology perspective. Teresa has received a number of IT industry channel recognition that includes the Informa Top Industry Influencer and CRN's Top 50 Most Influential Channel Chiefs. Prior to founding Achieve Unite, Teresa had senior executive roles at Extreme Networks, Sienna, and Nortel. So she knows all about successful and effective relationship building. I can't wait to jump in and talk more about that. Teresa, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So I want to start because you have really just jumped in. You have um, focused on building out effective channel uh, development uh, and channel strategies. What sparked your passion to really focus on this uh, aspect of partner success? You know, I uh, met Bob O'Malley when I was doing consulting. It was after I decided I wanted to not do another channel chief role because my kids were so young and I was consulting. And um, Bob is a six-time CEO. He's a general manager from Tech Data, former senior IBMer. And we were talking about partnering success and we were saying that there has to be change. And this is now going back eight years that Things have to change because the vendors all focus on their own success with the partners. And what we really need is for people to focus on each other's success, because if you focus on each other's success, magic happens. And, you know, we were saying that there needed to be a change in the industry. And, you know, lo and behold, I'm very proud of Achieve Unite, the partnering success company that really stands for that. And, you know, we do do partnering strategy and program development in helping companies do it right first time. We also do people development and helping the people really adopt those practices. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of our fastest growing businesses right now. Yeah. I mean, the human factor people, and I know yeah. we're going to jump into that and we're going to talk about that a lot too. And we are obviously in some really unprecedented times, just dynamic, a, a lot of change over the past few years, obviously in business practices, what's going on around the world. What are some of the things that are making successful partner collaboration and that relationship building maybe more challenging today than say even 10 years ago? 
Well, I think there's a number of things that are making it more challenging today. One is a an average partner has many more vendors on their line card than they did 10 years ago or eight years ago. So that has changed. The partners, GSI, system integrators, solution providers, you know, in the old days, when I was first doing business, right? the vendors had a lot of the power, the yeah. power equation has shifted. And, you know, the partners are the last mile, they're the trusted advisors, they're the ones that are integrating solutions for customers, they have many of the relationships. And, you know, I think that vendors still have a ways to go in really making sure that they're effectively leveraging the influencers, and partners are often the influencers. You know, the other thing that has changed is influencers, right? We used to have transactional partners. Well, now, you know, there may be 18 people influencing an opportunity before it ever closes and from many different companies. And so we need to be smart. If you're a vendor in the tech space, you need to have an influencer initiative. If you're a partner, you need to understand the influencers and and if you're a vendor sales rep, you need to understand how to leverage influencers. And so this influencer phenomena is critical. And obviously that's from social media and all of these, you know, digital mm -hmm. yeah. and, you know, the world that we're living in and the power of the referral and all of those things. But, you know, this influencer phenomena has to, um, people have to develop their muscles in that, in that skill. And, and then the last thing I'll talk about is trust, you know, and you know that we have a, an amazing psychometric index that measures trust. We have a whole program to help people build trust muscles, but there is no question in my mind that what we used to call soft skills like trust building and difficult conversations and influencing and um, authentic leadership and uh, effective listening and questioning, those are must haves. They're not nice to haves anymore. And, you know, I'm very proud of the things that we do in that space, but that is becoming a critical part of everyone in order to support all those other things we just talked about. Yeah, I, I jotted down trust muscles. I really like that, Teresa, um, because that analogy to how do we build strength, you know, over time, and it's a series exactly. of continuous, maybe small incremental gains, but it's just that that consistency. And you know, you talk about just more parties involved and influencing decisions. Uh, that's a big change, and so probably the skill sets, uh, you know, are needing to change too, right? You know, in terms of just trying to manage a more complex environment. Absolutely. The the skill sets are changing in both the hard skills and the soft skills. And so if you think about partnering success, and we're actually publishing a book pretty soon um, on the, the science of this. But one of the things that's different is the hard skills of partnering, whether you're a seller, whether you're, you know, if you're a direct seller working with customers, if you're a partner manager working with your partners, if you're a partner working with customers, if you're a partner working with vendors, everybody's got to develop their partnering skills and you have to become much more strategic in partnering. And it has to become um, much more business acumen oriented. And so we've done a lot of work in codifying exactly what those skills are and people really understanding whether they have those skills and where their gaps are. Um, and then, you know, this this what historically we called and we just said in the, that last segment around trust building and these influence skills, 
those skills have become equally as important, if not more important. And you've got to build your muscles in all of those. And, you know, trust building is what I call the headline. And then the sublines are effective listening, effective questioning, difficult conversations, you know, all of these ways that you build trust, not breaking, not break it down. Trust is gained in drops and lost in buckets. Uh, that is true. And so people uh, are, of course, a critical ingredient to uh, partnering in these relationships. Can you dive in a little bit in terms of uh, just that people evolution? You know, what, what's what you talked a little bit about some of the changes, but how do we need to approach this differently? We've got the influencers, but when it just comes down to people to people and communication relationships, what are you seeing happening there uh, and where this needs to go forward? The people to people um, thing, you know, what I see happening is one, it's no longer a binary one to one relationship. You know, it's it's much more groups. You know, you might have the seller, the partner, manager, the SE from the partner, the sales rep from the partner and the sales rep from the vendor and maybe there's another service provider in the equation maybe there's multiple vendors and so you're really having to build complex solutions and bring people and things together in order to drive outcomes for customers secondly it's about outcomes 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 mm -hmm. impact yeah. especially in this world right now and so quantifying much more better upfront what has to happen and then working to deliver that has become way more important yeah, the measurable impact. And in, again, in a more complex environment, getting back to the people to people, do you see that how to balance, I guess, the work-life balance, the stress or the pressure uh, mm -hmm. that is being placed on people in terms of how do they get their jobs done effectively? I mean, how it, it's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, to try to just keep kind of everything um, in balance, right? And not burn out along the way. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, I think that there is, um, look, there is a mental health component to post COVID that maybe it existed before COVID, and we didn't talk about it, maybe it got magnified during COVID. But this protecting your own mental health and helping others with their mental health, you know, to me, that is, it's just really important. And I've had some real tragedies from some of my dearest mm. favorite friends that have experienced their relatives, you know, in the most devastating thing, right? In suicide. And so we need to be aware of the mental health impact and we need to be supporting people all around us in that arena, you know, because we're not to what does my team says? We're not uh, in this tech industry. Most of the time we're not saving lives and, you know, mm -hmm. like everything yeah. can wait, right? It is, it is critical. And if it's related to mental health, then we need to focus on that first. Yeah. It's just having perspective, uh, putting things into perspective and, and also just uh, being there for each other to be that support network. Right? Yeah, I was or at my son is going to Gonzaga High School in DC. And what was so encouraging to me was we were we had this moms and dads met with the kids. They were on a, a weekend retreat and there was six of the kids and six parents. And then there was a leader from the junior class that was facilitating our conversation. It was all around communication. And what was so inspiring to me is one of the gentlemen, this is an all boys school, and he brought out in the open how he had struggled with mental health and how 
his mom at first didn't believe him. And then she supported him and how the school has supported him and how his friends have supported him. And I just thought, wow, how courageous is that? And that he's now talking about that with what, you know, how parents can communicate better with their kids. And like, we need to create safe spaces Mm -hmm. for people to talk about these things, because if we can create safe spaces for people to talk about this, and this is the ultimate form of trust, then we're going to get this stuff out in the open and get people the help they need before really bad stuff happens. Right. And so I just can't emphasize enough how important it is for us to build these trust building muscles in our organizations. And I call it partnering DNA, but it's just partnering is outside, but partnering is also inside of organizations. And how do you build these partnering muscles Mm -hmm. so that you create these higher trust cultures? And by the way, there's all kinds of profitability and innovation and productivity stats that are associated with it. But forget all those, you create a really good place to work for your people, you know, and all the other things that go along with it. Yeah. One of the interesting aspects, Teresa, of, uh, we alluded to social media, you know, as part of the influencer that I've seen is just this opening up, uh, I think of more, um, I guess, uh, authentic sharing storytelling, you know, even on something like LinkedIn, you know, which really started out as more of a peer to peer, you know, business networking thing. But now you're, you're, people are bringing their very real personal stories and struggles in a more genuine way than I mm-hmm. think you would have seen even four or five years ago. So you're starting to, to see that, which is back to the safe space seems to be expanding out even into places that maybe weren't uh, seemed as safe even a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's so true. So, so true. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about the people dynamic, but I know there's a whole lot of other forces of change that are impacting partners and and just the dynamic of those relationships. Can you talk a little bit about what you see in 2024 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, so I do believe that every company needs to partner. You need to partner internally in your organization and you need to partner externally. And I believe it's become a mandate and that you need every organization needs to build those muscles. They need to build their strategy. They need to build their people into doing it. And it's not just the partner managers, right? It's the sellers. It's the partners partnering with their customers. I think partnering is sales 3.0. You know, I think the way we do business in the future is around really partnering and helping our customers solve their complex problems and investing in our customers' businesses and investing in our partners' businesses. You know, that that is the wave of the future. So I'm, you know, that's the premise of our book. I'm really focused in that arena. I do believe trust has become paramount. Um, when we were picked up about a year ago, we were picked up by 250 publications on PQI. Think EQ, think IQ. This is PQ, and it's your partnering quotient, and it's your ability to build partnering trust. And they told us at that time we were two years ahead of our time. And I think that was very, very true. You know, I see it becoming more and more important. And in another year, it will be paramount. Wow. Wow. The partnering quotient. Can you just? provide a little more behind that in terms of how that it might be calculated or what, what's the framework around that? Absolutely. So the PQI, again, think EQ, think IQ, this is your PQ. It is absolutely developed and built over time. 
And you, it was three years of, of research with many, many companies and people all over the world uh, of all ages, of nonprofits, education, corporations, all industries. And out of that came a psychometric index that is scientifically validated and reliable that measures people's abilities to build partnering trust and what is their dominant? There's five profiles of people. Mm. Think about five love languages. It's the five love languages of business. And it's how do you build trust? And so it's as important to understand how you build trust and how you build your own trust building muscles, which is in workshop one. Workshop two is how do you recognize a strategizer or a harmonizer's trust building muscles and adjust yourself to have to accelerate that trust and to have you know, a speed of trust matters. And so that's the workshop two. And then workshop three is all around how you do that and build effective teams leveraging PQI and trust building. And so, yeah, it's amazing. We've had um, over, I think we're up to 1,500 people who have gone through wow. PQI and it's pretty game changing in some of the organizations that are using it. Um, yeah. And so we look for lots more coming out on PQI as well over the coming months. Yeah. I love that. You're, you're bringing the quantitative in with the qualitative now, because now you, there's That's exactly right. Arc, and then you can tangibly demonstrate yeah. improvement. Yes, you're right. And that's what's exciting is we're seeing people's trust building muscles improve and their scores actually go up over a period of time because they get very focused on this. And that's what's so powerful. Wow. Well, something I know that you and I have in common is we are both strong supporters of a leadership approach that's built around a servant leader philosophy. I, I'd love wow. to yeah. learn more about how that's shaped your journey as a leader? Oh, it changed my life. I had the ability, um, the opportunity in 2006 to go through uh, Georgetown's. It was the second year of their program. It was in the business school at Georgetown University, which you may know is a Jesuit university mm -hmm. in uh, Washington, D.C. And it was the an executive master's in leadership. I had already done an MBA, so I didn't want another MBA. And I really wanted an executive experience. And that program changed my life. And it was all about servant leadership. It was all about how do you, um, through serving others, lead. And it. I don't think I ever would have started a company had it not been for that program. You know, financially, I have a friend who has helped me to be able to take care of my children for years to come because of that program. It's just unbelievable. Um, unbe and many of our programs are based on that program because I needed a way to get to women leaders and empower them at a more rapid rate. And we've had over 3000 people go through our, le our leadership programs, 2000 of which were women over the last several years. And it was all based on that servant leadership and the work that we had done at Georgetown. So yeah, it's just, it was unbelievable. And I today believe if we can instill servant leadership in, you know, servant leadership and partnering success are very correlated because they're about how do you help and empower others in their personal and in their business. Yeah. And there are a lot of different leadership models and philosophies obviously out there. Uh, Teresa, have you seen over 
time on your journey, have you seen greater acceptance as people understand what is this thing I've heard about servant leadership when they really learn more or see it in action? I think that's probably the most powerful. Have you seen kind of some momentum uh, building there, this wave of, of acceptance around that? I have seen momentum and wave of acceptance around that. I think this, what used to be considered soft skills, becoming an imperative for everybody in business. I think that's a wave that is just beginning to build into a tidal wave, you know, and and I think it's wonderful because if we can create cultures, think about the impact of creating businesses and cultures. One, we're going to be much more attuned to generations and the different generations in the workplace. We're going to be much more inclusive of backgrounds in the workplace and harnessing the power of those backgrounds. We're going to be much more inclusive of different styles of work, right? There's been um, some pretty severe trauma for black women in the workplace mm -hmm. because they handle things differently often than others. And so we're going to be much more in tune with that in the workplace. So I think there is a huge opportunity if we can instill this new way of doing business. Yeah, there's there's lots of opportunity to just grow more and, and to really be eye-opening in terms of taking a we approach instead of a me approach when it comes to right. leader, right? In, in terms of engaging with the team. So you're, you're absolutely right. And it's encouraging to see the real examples of that playing out. It's so encouraging. It, it really inspires me. And it's what my, you know, what you live for, your mission, what you want to drive in the world, you know, is that. And how do we create that through partnering success, through authentic leadership, through servant leadership, through accelerating trust? Now, founding a company is never easy. And I've had a lot of company founders uh, on the podcast. One of the things they talk about as one of the most challenging things that they face on that path is developing and then sustaining a healthy culture in their organization what have you found that's really helped you make it happen uh, at Achieve Unite? What has made me so proud at Achieve Unite is I have an incredible team of people. I have these very senior, very experienced, low ego people who want to be part of something bigger than themselves and they want to give to the greater good. And I'm just so proud of the people who are here and who make a difference. And, and we just operate as a great team for our clients and our partners in such a way that just it's awesome and it's fun, you know, and that yeah. is just, that is rewarding too, right? People don't have the politics yeah. and they always say, there's no politics inside of Achieve United. I said, I oh, know there's <laughs> lots going on outside, but not inside of our company. Thank goodness. Yeah. So having, I, I guess, uh, that team that is uh, more seasoned and has a bit more experience under the belt, you feel like has really made a difference then in terms of being able to um, come together and stay cohesive, right? In terms of establishing that culture. The Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think establishing the culture, video, 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 we were using video in 2016 before Zoom was ever cool. And so I think that made a big mm -hmm. difference. Um, you know, really hiring people with low ego and 
keeping the people with low ego that really care about the greater good that also made a difference. Um, we just have been able to attract and retain that kind of person. And that makes me really proud. Yeah. You brought up a really important point there, which is the video technology, of course, pandemic wise, uh, you know, this virtual team dynamic, uh, we're not necessarily sitting next to each other physically and we've got these virtual teams. And so how do you continue to reinforce, create that level of cohesiveness and reinforce the culture when you're remote? I think a lot of leaders have kind of struggled with that to figure that equation out, but there are lots of examples where it is working and will continue to work going forward. It's so true. And I think there's examples of, oh, like I definitely see business changing. I see executives changing. I see boards making an investment in helping to drive a different kind of culture in companies, both in public companies and in private companies. You know, this social responsibility factor is becoming much more real. And, you know, and, and that's what gives me great hope. And, and it's in America. It's also, I see it in Canada. I see it in certain countries in Europe that are doing it. I see it in Australia, you know, so it's, it's a global phenomenon in some of these very progressive organizations that, you know, I'm just, I'm very inspired and encouraged and I want to really, how do we get that at a whole nother level and get it mainstream? Yeah. And I think the reality for the next generation of the professional workforce coming in, their expectations, that bar is being raised for companies. So you may decide that social responsibility isn't a big deal or priority. Your reality is your ability to attract and retain talent is probably going to be directly impacted by your willingness to make that a priority. So I think there's an awakening happening there too. See, yeah, it's that is so true. I, I agree with you. Now, you are a leader. You founded this very successful, thriving organization. Let's boil it down to just the art and practice of leadership. What do you think truly separates exceptional leadership from just good enough? Oh, that's a great question. What what differentiates exceptional leadership from just good enough? One, I think it's everything we just talked about. Leaders, you know, have followers, right? And people who want to be with them, want to work with them. So I think that is critical. I do think the social responsibility and this people responsibility of creating a safe place for people to be their best selves, you know, that that differentiates the good from the great. I think creating a learning culture, one of the things that I've been studying lately is that there is a direct correlation, people with growth mindsets, I call it a partnering trust growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So they lean into learning. They're constantly trying to improve themselves. They're constantly trying to help others improve themselves. They're really seeking to win, have win-wins that DNA is way more successful than a fixed mindset person. And so that is separating the good from the great. And I think we're going to see more of that research getting um, publicized and showcased. Yeah, you were really highlighting there. There's a uh, humbleness that says, hey, I, I, I never 
have all the answers myself. Mm -hmm. I seek to understand or seek the help of others because different perspectives can take me to a whole new place. And that can be hard because there does seem to be this pressure sometimes to say, hey, if I'm the senior person in the room, I've got to be the one ultimately that has the answers. But again, we're back to servant leadership again, which is uh, be open in in power uh, and leverage the diverse uh, perspectives, experiences, and contributions of your team. Yeah, I think the contributions of the team too is another thing. And, you know, getting below the surface, like one of the things I'm most proud of is that several amazing people are their best selves at Achieve Unite, you know, and they're giving their best. And how do you create environments? Because it does get harder as you get bigger and bigger to do that. And so how do you create environments where people can be their best selves? That's amazing. Well, I know that you are giving sound advice all the time, but I want to flip the script, Teresa, and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Oh my gosh, there's two. There's two best pieces of advice. One is um, when you put good in the universe and you help others and you take care of people and you do all of those things every day of your life, good things come back. And that I live by that every day. And I truly, truly believe that. Um, And then the second one is on the harder skills side of entrepreneurship, which is if you're a product company service size, if you're a service company productize, and we've spent several years moving ourselves from being a consulting company to being a real phenomenal, repeatable product offering company. Wow. that, That is really sound advice. And when you think about the future, What's making you optimistic? What makes me optimistic is the next generation and these kids that are coming up and their brilliance and how savvy they are in technology and digital and how they build relationships over social media and Instagram and all of these savvy things and they're hardworking and it just, it's awesome. And I'm just, I'm so encouraged at, that generation and what is ahead. Yeah. There's an energy. Yeah. There's an enthusiasm. There's a confidence. I think back to when I started my career and I don't know that I was that confident as this current generation. I, no, I, I kind of had to feel my way through, but what you're seeing now, there's a, there's a vision, there's a passion, there's a clarity that I don't think was the same. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exciting though. So it is exciting. yeah. So do you have any final advice for leaders that are working to take their partner relationships to another level? If you want to take your partner to relationships to another level, call us, we'd love to support you and help you <laughs> yeah. do that. And you know, that could be, that could mean in the company level, that could mean your people. And the great thing about investing in your people is One, you're investing in your people, right? And companies that invest in their people are 70% more likely to retain them than not. And and you create a great culture by doing that because you're doing we everything we do is around team building plus investing in the people from an education perspective. And then the other one is, you know, participate in communities and and make sure that you're out and about interacting and finding the communities that work for you. Um, and your partner strategy, whatever that is. Yeah, that is true is don't forget to look 
inside for as much as you're trying to forge those external uh, relationships. Uh, don't forget about your people. Yeah. The employee experience can be everything. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Teresa, for coming and sharing uh, your deep experience in terms of those key ingredients for developing partner success and sustaining it and just inspiring all of us. Oh, Dan, this was so much fun. And I loved the topics that you focused on with me. And they're all the things that I'm most passionate about. So I really admire that you were able to get that from me in 30 minutes. So thank you so much for having me. Exceptional leadership. It's so critical going forward. (laughs) And for everyone, just a reminder to please continue to help make this podcast even better by rating and reviewing. It's so easy to do. Go out and rate and review on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.